Hello and welcome to another edition of Power Hour with Sour Hour. This is where I catch up with all the biggest names in rugby league. They don't get much bigger than this man. He played for Manly, New South Wales and captain the 1982 Invincible Kangaroos, Max Krillich. Well, Max Krillich, thanks very much for coming on Power Hour with Sour Hour. Let's get straight into it. I ask all my guests this. What was your first car, Max? Uh, good one. Um, it was a Holden EH, EH, it was called a shagging wagon. A shagging wagon. What colour was it? Green. Green. <laughs> very, very good. Um, I, I was amazed. I had a look at your uh, overall record and, and going through your games and stuff like that. You played 215 games for Manly, scored 31 tries, 39 goals and one field goal. One field goal, yeah, that's correct in the semi-final. Tell us about the field goal. All I know is uh, when I kicked the field goal, Arco in the grand, in the grandstands went off his face because <laughs> I, I was told afterwards that uh, he said, what's that idiot done out there? They're going to get the ball, kick the, we'll drop the ball and they'll score or some rubbish, but we, we ended up winning the game. So It was only with about three or four minutes to go and they put us four points in front, I think. And what was that time like at Manly? Because, I mean, such dominance you know, early on and you win a grand final after the replay against Cronulla. But 1977, you become the captain after Bob Fulton, one of the immortals, leaves for the Roosters. Was it hard watching a guy like that walk out knowing that you had to step up and be the captain? Well, the thing about rugby league, one door closes and another door opens and all vice versa, you know, so... Bolton's probably the greatest player to play, best player to play for Manly. You know, like with Malcolm Reilly, maybe a couple of others throwing in, but I'd say Bob Fulton was. Um, and he used to win games by himself. And you know, you know, the sky was going to cave in when he left Manly. By the way, uh, there was never going to be another tomorrow. Um, and basically, what happens the year after we came uh, fifth, oh, fourth or fifth in the um, and got relegated, and the year after that we won the comp. No one's without saying being rude to Bob or any great player, no one's irreplaceable. It doesn't matter who you are because other people keep coming through all the time. So in 78, you, you have that uh, grand final against Cronulla and then the replay. How, when you, you're in a grand final, it takes so much to get there. It's at the end of the season. How did you bottle up that energy to be able to go again next week? Because it's an emotional roller coaster, a grand final week going in. and You win the replay quite easily, but... What was the feeling after you, you draw that game and have to play it again? Well, the feeling was, how are we going to do it? Because we were off our legs. That was our, going to be our sixth game in 22 days. And we played two replays. Um, we got beaten in one game early against in the first lot of semifinals against Cronulla. And after that, we either won or drew the rest of the games. And um, they were all tough games, particularly against Western Suburbs and Parramatta, because... Um, yeah, you know, in those days it used to be quite violent, and um, you know whatever used to happen happened, uh, and we, it took a toll on a lot of the players. Um, I've got to say, we are, like every other side, we're all needled up for the game. Yep. Uh, these days they wouldn't let you play the game um, because you've got to you know, get too needled up. Yeah. But that's what it was, and uh, we stood our ground. One of the major factors was in the third last game of that semi-final series. Frank Stanton um, got the major general from the army to come in and talk to us. And he related to us about, don't worry about injuries, you're not going to get killed out there, it's only a football field. Um, it's only a football field. And don't worry about injuries. So we won that game, and when we got to the grand final replay, he got us 
before the game again. This um, this general came in the game and he said, "Remember what I told you? How our guys got killed in Vietnam, and um, they'll have to take this mountain, and they got killed. And uh, you think you guys are going to die? No, we're not going to die. So just put your body on the line and go out and do what you have to do." You know. He uh, it was one of the best motivational things I've ever been involved in. He it was about death or just playing football. And that's what it was, playing football. Now, I want to fast forward you to, to this year, 2019. A lot of speculation in the off-season. Des Hasler comes back, and I'm hearing all this chatter about we need to put the Manly back in Manly. And I didn't understand it, but I watch Manly at the moment, and they're one of the, the better teams to watch because they work hard for each other. Can you explain to me and the listeners what Manly in Manly means? Because it's a unique culture. It's on the Northern Beaches. No one's like the Silver Tails forever. What does Manly in Manly mean to Max Krillich? Well, the good thing about not liking Manly is great if they're um, a Manly player because um, that means we're a succession. So that's the good part about it. Now, when there's whatever he did eight years ago with Manly, I was one of the most vocal about this being, you know, uh, what he did. And um, when he came back, I embraced him. I went straight up to him when we met and I told him I support everything you're doing in the club because that's why I'm a Manly person. What he has given back to the club, uh, it's hard to say how Des is. And if you've been involved with Des, he's only one dimension. He only wants about winning, which is great. He's one of those coaches that uh, just wants excellence all the time. Uh, and he expects it and he gets it. Um, so what he's done at the club has been tremendous because, unfortunately, under Trent last year, the players didn't perform. As soon as um, uh, Jake Travoyevich or Mike the Power went off, the rest of the guys would crumble like, say, a biscuits. But this year, um, obviously, he's keeping Jake on for a lot longer time and they're, they're, they're really getting into a very good pattern of hanging in there all the time. You know, They've lost a couple of games by a few points, but most of, most of the time it's you know, two points or four points. So they're hanging in there. Well, last year we were getting beaten by 20 or 30. So um, he's instilled this uh, toughness in the, in the, in the squad. Um, and, the, and some of these unknowns that have come through, they're not unknowns now. They're, they're like young Cust and young Brendan Elliott. Um, you know, they're, they're, and they've done tremendously well. Tremendously well. Would you say that Des Hasler coming back, having been a premiership coach there and a, pl- a premiership winner there as a player, is there that aura around Des that he is and he signifies what Manly means to the people on the Northern Beaches and that's why he's getting the best out of his players? Yeah. Look, Des demands everything to be work hard and you get the just results. That's what Des is. Des... As a player, he, like the first time I ever saw Des training at the Brookvale Oval, a year I retired, I saw this filling up on these monkey bars, like doing all this vertical and horizontal stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I actually said, who's that girl? You know, like, and here was Des Hasler. Going, and then now you understand how he used to train, and, you know, he wasn't the most gifted player in the world, but he, his discipline was in his body, and he wanted everyone, he wanted him to be fit. And now that's what he's translated into the, his football team, just to be fit and to be and to be a winner. Um, and then your natural uh, your natural abilities would come out. And if you've got guys like Jake Travoyevich and Tom Travoyevich out there leading certain ways, um, <laughs> if good players have got to play good. And if they're playing good, you've got to win games. 
How important is it that Manly keep the Trebojevic brothers? Because a lot of speculation about the Bulldogs possibly coming across. They've got a lot of money in their salary cap. It'd be devastating if you lose the brothers. Yeah, certainly would be. Um, I don't think that'll happen. How? Why would those two boys want to sit in the traffic for two hours each way, four hours a day, sitting in, going along Motorvale Road, all the way up there? Belmore, which is probably a lovely place if you live out there, but they're going to leave the northern beaches. Uh, they play both golf at Monash Golf Club at the moment. Their members up there, every every second they have off, they're up there playing golf. You know, they're not going to get much more money to go to Belmore, so why would you do it to yourself? You know, like, they've got a great life, I've got to tell you, and good luck to them because they're fantastic young. I'll tell you something about them. They've been so well brought up, that whole family, and I congratulate the mother and the father on what they've done to those kids. They, you know, and they'll do what's best for themselves and their family, and they understand what Manly has done for them and the Manly culture and the Manly people. Yeah, it'd certainly be weird if they ever looked in, in, played in another jumper. I hope they stay. Uh, I want to talk about State of Origin and, and your New South Wales career. You played eight games yeah. um, through 78 to 83. What was that like back then? To, to now, because the players obviously now, I mean, they, they want to win the game, but in terms of payment and exposure, and it pretty much stops the rugby league community to watch this game. Tell me what it was like early doors when it, when you first started playing. It was like chalk and cheese to, compared to what it is now. We used to get, uh, I think it was $230 bucks to play. Um, uh, it was just a money grab, but obviously then by the ARL, and they didn't share it with the players in those days. Yeah. Um, I'm saying that they had a concept. McAuliffe and um, Kevin Humphries and Arco had this concept of the state of origin, and they had to make it work. Now, that why it had to have make it work, Queensland weren't engrossed in it, but Queensland had to win. Now, they brought Arthur Beeson, was fantastic, and they had these other players like Wally Lewis come along. Um, but what they did, they had to win. Now, whether it was... We orchestrated. Um, New South Wales uh, was side was picked on a Sunday night, and we played on a Tuesday. The Queenslanders were picked on the Sunday week before, which they had ten days off. No one played; they always came out fresh. That didn't change till 1985 under Steve Mortimer's side when New South Wales won their first series because basically they had the week off like it, like the Queensland side. We used to go out there and be in front, and then just get hammered by Wally and. Dean Miles, whoever, and all the terrific players like that. They're terrific players, but you know, we're, New South Wales was was behind the eight ball in those days. But what happened? A great concept emerged. That's what it was. It's just a great contest has now has come out of it, and uh, it, it'll continue forever and forever. Tell me what it was like to play in the pressure cooker of Lang Park, because I was able to make my debut up at Suncorp. And to be in that cauldron, the Origin cauldron, was, was a dream of mine. But playing at the old Lang Park with fans pretty much sitting right on top of you, you could uh, taste the sweat just as the tackles were made. What was that kind of like? And did you look back now and think they're some of the best games you know, that I was a part of because of the atmosphere, because of the tradition at Lang Park? Well, uh, the old dressing chairs, which you, know, you wouldn't know about because... Uh, the grandstand was on top of the, uh, right on top of you, and the yep. noise was reverberating through the through the um, uh, through into the dressing sheds was actually well, was a frightening, probably was frightening, but the noise was horrific. Uh, and you know you got twenty five thousand lunatics out there with their two heads, so there's fifty two thousand. 
and they are two headed, by the way. Um, so they're all out there screaming, yelling, throwing full cans of beer. And that's how silly some of them are, throwing full cans, not empty cans. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then we ran out, and honestly, the first time, what can I say, like, I shit myself because this cannon went off. Oh, <laughs> well, we didn't expect it, but that was, it was the first time they blew this cannon off. I'll tell you what. <laughs> we all looked around and what's going on here? And you knew you were in. You, you knew you were in for a torrid time, which we always were at Grand Park, you know, and, and good luck to them. You know, yeah, they're parochial. You know, they want to win and good, you know, what can you say about that? But New South Wales, I'll tell you, the first five years was behind the eight ball. That's, uh, but what emerged was this you know, great game, great game of origin. Can you tell us a little about, I mean, you said the camps weren't obviously very long, but in terms of being able to back up, I mean, we look at players now, we, we, I think we demand too much of them now, but back when you were playing, Max, it was, it was almost mandatory that you backed up for your club and you kept playing. You said you played six games in 22 days. What was that like in terms of recovery or getting ready for a game? Well, that's what made me have to retire. I injured my neck very badly during that uh, 83 season and... Um, and uh, basically, I couldn't keep backing up because I, I go from the test matches, for instance, and then we played we played against New Zealand. I, I can't get it right, and then we played the Origin series. And each week, all I was doing was getting treatment on my neck, and then back, and then you play on the weekends. And you did not back up. You had to back up. It was simple as that. Because basically, you know, your club was who paid you. Yes, you, know, you weren't getting paid. To, to play by origin, you're getting paid by your club, so you have to do the right thing by your your your, your club side and whatever. So you just backed up, and it, it, you just had to do what you had to do. It's and you know, without being rude, I do it all again because I didn't know any better. We didn't know any better about not backing up. It was about doing what you had to do for your club um, and stand up and be counted. Now some blokes obviously probably couldn't handle it or couldn't do it or whatever. And they go by the wayside. That's just the way it is. It's just a fact of life. It's, uh, but it was hard work. Firstly, uh, I had my own business. Uh, and that used to get on hold. Um, and, you know, what were you doing back then, Max? Were you, you plum- I, you're a plumber by trade? Yeah, plumber. I had these guys. I had, like, always had guys with me and work with me. But if you don't keep an eye on them, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, even when I went to England, I had my blokes working for me when I was in England. You know, like, so... Um, Things go wrong when you're all around, you know, when the boss is all around, you know. Yes. When the cats are away, the rats are away, you know. <laughs> Mate, um, in, in that origin, I mean, would you say Bob Fulton's probably the best player you play with at Manly? Yeah. What about in State of Origin? Who was one player that you'd played against that you were excited to play with when you pulled on the New South Wales jersey? Yeah, that's, a, that's really good. You know, those was, I'd say, the best because such a winner. But all those Parramatta guys... Yeah, you, know, you got Kenny. Yep. Eric, well, Eric, he wouldn't train. Um, <laughs> he wouldn't train. Imagine him today, he'd be a dynamo. He was a dynamo then. I'd hate to think of him right now. <laughs> he'd be the, he, he was the ant's pants then. Like, he's you know, a terrific bloke, that's the other thing about him. Uh, then you've got Mr. Perpetual Motion, Ray Price, um, and Mick Crane, and all those guys I played with. They're all, they're all fantastic. They're fantastic players. You know, they... Yeah, and uh, Zip Zip Ella. Uh, I, I can't afford any of those guys. And then, then I played with Albert, Craig Young. Yes. Um, you know from St. George days. Um, and Rocket, I used to I played with Rocket. 
already and played against Rocket Ready. So um, the dirtiest player we've ever played rugby league. Um, and my very close friend, I'm saying that. Um, uh, but he, um, he was something else in the football field. But, you know, there, there were some terrific players. And uh, what you did, you had to do what you were allowed to do in those days. You know, you got away with you know, stuff you can't get away with today, obviously. But um, you did what you had to do to win and, and offset the opposition. It's just it's the way it was. <laughs> now, during that period, you mentioned all those, I mean, names, legends of the game, Max. But you go on the 78 Kangaroo Tour, your first tour over there. Four years later, you captain the Invincibles. Yeah. Run, well, me, run me through that trip. I mean, you, you rattled off all those names. Could you believe that you were captain of such a, a great group of blokes? But also, you know, to go through the tour undefeated, I watched growing up, I watched it all on VHS and listened to Thirsty Morrow, and now I'm working with him. I can't believe that I'm actually talking to people that I watched growing up. What was that like going on Kangaroo Tour? Well, if I go way, way back before the tour started, I was at uh, Sydney Cricket Ground number 2 where we are training for the uh, city versus country game, and I did notice the number one electric hill was standing in the middle of about 12 other Parramatta players. There were 12 guys from Parramatta got selected for city first, city second set here. And I could see Ray standing in the hill like the mother bee and all these other little bees hanging around him, buzzing around, and I thought, that's not a good look. So that, uh, that stuck in my mind, and I spoke with Frank Stanton about this, and what we did, we conjured a, a plan that when we're on tour, if you saw any two guys from the same club or same uh, state talking or sit with each other or whatever, you had to break them up. You, um, um, as you're rooming always with a opposite, um, like a Queensland or a New South Wales. Or Who was your roomie? Bloody shit. Rocket. <laughs> <laughs> There's a best book coming out about Rocket Ready. Don't worry about that. <laughs> oh, a million copies. But I, I can't get. I can't get sold. But um, uh, so we had a plan that it was going to be no one-upmanship. There weren't going to be any heroes. There weren't going to be, um, for instance, there, there wasn't going to be a hero. Well, 28 guys um, with our coaching staff were all in the, together. Previous tours, you had heroes, and I, I know for a fact that there used to be clicks, and that wasn't going to happen with us. You know, and, that, and that's one of the reasons why we went so well. It's everybody got on well, everyone mixed well. Um, they did what they had to do. Like you had the number one side, and basically the number one side went through the whole tour. And the number two side, they were the uh, the the other guys, and you know, they, and we all did what we had to do to help them. So it was a great mixture. It was a great mixture. Like guys like Wally Lewis, you know, Wally found it very hard playing under uh, under uh, Frank Stan by playing under um, Brett Kennedy, you know. So uh, Frank Stan um, wanted extreme discipline. Uh, Wally sometimes thought he was the king. At that moment, he was still only a prince. So, um, you know, and they'll call him the king of Queensland <laughs> already, and he's 21 years of age. But... A long time this skinny kid called Brett Kenny and no one really knew how good he was going to be or how we ended up that so good. Uh, and he was fabulous on the tour. He was fabulous. And he'll tell you that himself, how good he was. <laughs> <laughs> and those conditions over there, I mean, you watch, sometimes you're playing in the fog, you're warming up in the morning, you're doing all the, 
I guess, routines that you need to be able to get ready. But you're playing a lot of a lot of games in a short amount of time, aren't you? Yeah, well, once every three days. But, you know, there's two teams, basically, and sometimes you have to back up. There was one day before the second test we traded this over, and it was brilliantly clear blue skies started off. By the end of the session, we were training in sleep. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was sleep. You know, it was, it was, it just turned around. You wouldn't believe it. So Ray, and, and the Ray was, would be whinging. Like, Ray would whinge about, that's Ray Price, obviously, would whinge about the play the ice cream he'd get. He, he whinged about everything for a Ray. And uh, he'd come up to me and said, oh, oh, we've got to stop training. So I went over, I think, I said, thank God, mate. We've been out here for an hour in this split. He said, oh, have you? Okay, so the side is playing tomorrow. Uh, turn around. You'll, you'll run into this week now for another 25 minutes or half an hour. We train in facing the sleep. Oh, <laughs> no. I'm not going to be about anything. And, you know, that just demanded, you know, you were, no one was going to back down about anything. You know, there was no shortcuts. There's no, there's no, no such thing as a shortcut. Who was, uh, who was the best player on that tour, Max? Because there's so many great names. Who, who was the best player in your eyes? Yeah, good one. Uh, probably Kenny. Uh, you know, it's hard to say, but you know, like Mal Meninga, yeah, he was. Yeah, they couldn't tackle Mal. <laughs> yeah. Did you? Did you? I mean, you, you would have known that. You would have known that he was going to be special, but yeah. you know, the guys. You said that Wally was young, Mal Meninga was young. Now they're both immortals. Oh did, yeah. Could you have seen that back then? Nah, no, nah, no, nah, not at all. But you know. The, the, my favourite player probably is Sludge, Steve Rogers. Um, he was just a fabulous player and a fabulous bloke and a great card player. So um, we were great mates for myself and Sludge. And, um, you know, he, he was... I think, actually, he didn't really... Be, you know, people didn't know... You ask players who played with him and they'll tell you he should be immortal. You know, and you know, a lot of people probably wouldn't understand that. But he, he could do anything on the football field. And he was... Brilliant to watch. <laughs> a terrific guy, I'm saying that. So, but then again, that's, that's conjecture. Everyone's got their own, uh, own ideas about who should be and what and who shouldn't be. So, but Wally and Mal, they deserve it because what Wally's done for Queensland and Australia and what Mal's done for Australia, particularly now with the Australian team, I congratulate them both. They're fantastic. Tell us a story about some shenanigans that would have gone on because I can imagine with Wally Lewis, Eric Groth, Rocket ready that there would have been a fair few pranks played. Non-stop. Rocket. Uh, Rocket one day, we're laying in bed about five o'clock in the morning. He said, mate, we've got to buy a car. And I said, yeah, yeah, go on. Go on. So he's got the paper out. See, we've, been, we've just been bringing um, Australia, I think, from the night before. Yeah, it's like yeah. Five, five o'clock in the morning over there. And... Uh, so he picks up the paper and he starts talking in an American accent to a person. And I'm thinking, what, what's this idiot doing now? And he, he starts talking with this accent and he calls himself Craig Young. <laughs> and, and then, you wouldn't believe it, he, he said, yes, that's the same car, we want to use that in our movie. And I'm thinking, what, what's going on here? Well, three hours later, we'd come back from training, or four hours later, we'd come back from training and all these coppers were in the, the best of, you know, this magnificent hotel, the Dragon R, we're staying at and and we're thinking the coppers are here to say good day and how are you and have a good trip. And they've called out for Craig Albert, Craig Young, and we're on the talk here. 
And um, straight away, obviously, yeah, I trotted over. He was the G in those days. And, uh, yeah. Got a few coppers on the tour, by the way. Anyway, now he said, what's this thing about you and up this morning about getting this car that's in the uh, Peter Shuttlecliffe, who was a Yorkshire Ripper, you're making a movie out of it. Well, I'm standing there with my mouth open. I knew exactly what was going on. And <laughs> and Rocket, get over here, because anything that um, uh, Rocket wanted to play a prank on, he was calling himself Craig Young. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it was pretty heavy, because Peter Sutcliffe only got caught about a year before that over there, and uh, he wasn't a very nice person. So. But anyway, we ended up buying the car and, you know, doing what we have to do with the cars over there. We used to drive around, leave them wherever you wanted to leave them. Your parking tickets all over them, yeah, so, you know, you're fine. Yeah, they won't pay, obviously. I'll finish on this note. There's so many players in the NRL now that have developed their game. Some have to work a little bit harder than others to get to the top. But who's a player that you sit down and watch and think, that's the closest to me uh, in the NRL? So you look back and you think, you know, Brandon Smith is closest to Max Krillich. Well, I tell you, I, that's some bloke I do like. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. He's a terrific player. <laughs> I wish we had him at Manly. Oh, no, we don't need him at Manly, but he's a, he could do it Manly. I tell you, he just... Well, once, once Cameron Smith, Cameron Smith uh, retires, he's just jumped straight into there. He's just a goer. Um, well, I'm saying, uh, look, everybody's different, mate. You know, it's, it's hard to say, you know, all I can say, the one desire, I trained really hard and we pitched the hard too, but then again, I wish I trained harder. So, you know, Bob Fulton was the benchmark and Terry Randall at Manly nowadays. Bob Fulton was training He'd come to training an hour before everybody else had finished behind everyone. He would do an extra, probably an hour and a half a day to everybody and train every day. Well, I used to train a lot with those and, you know, and, and probably got me into a better position. So, you know, then again, I still wish I would have trained as hard as him. So, yeah, it's just life, mate. You know, it's hard to say, although I, I just I, I love watching them all play. They're fantastic. I love watching Cameron Smith play. Um, he's just a. He just runs the game. That penalty he got the other day was disgraceful. <laughs> and the referee should be taking out the back and shot, you know, for giving that penalty away. It was a shocking penalty. And made him, you know, win the game. You know, to win a game with Cameron Smith, he dictates the game. And he's, you know, I'm not bagging him. Wish, wish, wish we had a player who could dominate like he does because he tells the referees what to do and when to do it, you know, and, uh, and it's a shame that uh, they haven't got the guts to leave the thing. Look, uh, when Harrigan came on the scene, the referee, and uh, two Jeff was forever hammering, hammering referees. The first game uh, that was after the Super League business, uh, Harrigan turned straight to the Indian. So yeah. Me like that? Who do you think you are? Well, the same thing should be happening to Cameron uh, Smith. Yeah. <laughs> well, he plays yeah. his 400th game next week, so we'll have to watch and see if he gets sent off in that. But uh, Max yeah. Krillich, thanks very much for joining us on Power Hour with Sour, and I appreciate your time. Thanks, Jamie, and all the best to you, mate. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. We'll be back next week.